You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We are commanded throughout Scripture to give thanks. That's an action, that's a command, that is obedience. This would refer to saying thank you and expressing thanks with our mouth, uh, with our correspondence, and in our actions. Giving thanks is an action. It is a command that we must obey. Giving thanks in the Scripture is not optional. Never will you find where God says, if you feel like it, uh, if the circumstances uh, uh, allow it. Oh, no, no. Uh, We are to, in everything, give thanks. That means the good times and the bad times. Uh, You say, I'm sick. I'm sorry that you're sick. But I still believe we should give thanks. I think we should give thanks in trials. I think we should give thanks because that trial is not an accident. God is in control. God knows. And if we believe and if we trust that he's sovereign, then we can say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I'm going to give you thanks anyway. Uh, We were in the children's choir uh, this evening, and I was going around and asking the children and We've got some good Baptists in our children's choir. One of them said, I'm thankful for food. Oh, can I get an amen on that? I'm thankful for food. And another one said, I'm thankful for my bed. And I thought, that's a true Baptist right there. We like to eat. And then after we eat, we take a nap, right? Get some sleep. But uh, Brother Gabe and Miss Lydia, he's not in here, so I'll just share this with you. But there's no pressure on you at all. But it wasn't Colton, it was Hunter that said, I'm thankful for my dog that we're going to get. Now that's Thanksgiving in advance. That's Thanksgiving by faith right there. And I don't know what the plans are there, but uh, just so you're aware. But you know, that's as Christians, that's how we ought to live. We ought to say, Lord, I'm thankful for not just what you have done. I'm thankful for what you're going to do. Because we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We're commanded to give thanks. All throughout the Psalms, you will read that David called upon God's people. He said, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. Jesus, when he was on this earth, the Bible says that he gave thanks. Of course, Jesus is God. But yet Jesus set the example and Jesus gave the demonstration to us how we are to give thanks to our Father. Thanksgiving is not just something we do, although we absolutely should do it, we should act upon it. But being thankful for the Christian should be a way of life. It should be who we are. If we are going to be obedient to the command of God's Word, then we must not only give thanks, but we must be thankful. It says in Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him. If you'll hold your place in Psalm 100 and turn with me to the book of Romans. I want you to notice in Romans chapter 1, we find that there is a particular group of people the Bible talks about in Romans 1 that are disobedient to the command of God. God says we are to be thankful. 
But when we get to Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21, the Bible says that because that, when they knew God, Romans 1, 21, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. That's a sad condition for people to be in that they're no longer thankful. And Romans 1 describes people that even though they knew who God was, but they did not glorify him as God, they didn't give him the praise that he deserved, they didn't give him the honor that was due to him, and they were not thankful. The Bible goes on to say this, this group of people became vain in their imaginations, in their foolish heart was darkened. It's amazing what happens when we're not thankful. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3 that in the last days, perilous times will come. And the Bible gives us a list. It says in the last days that men shall be lovers of their own selves. They're self-centered. They're selfish. It's all about me. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. I don't think we're still waiting for the last days to come. I think we're living in the last days because I believe we're living in a generation where people are unthankful. The Bible tells us in Luke 6, I'm thankful for this, Luke 6, it says, and ye shall be children of the highest, for he, that is God, is kind unto the unthankful and evil. I'm glad that still God is kind and gracious to us even when we are unthankful. Brother George, after the service this morning, he reminded me of a, a saying. I've heard it before, but it's so good. He said he was reading this week, and someone said that, what if God only gave you today the things that yesterday you said thank you for? Some of us would be in the poorhouse. Some of us would be homeless. Some of us would be in big trouble if we only had today what we said thank you for yesterday. But yet we are commanded to be thankful. There are things throughout the Bible that we are commanded to be, not just to do, but to be. We are to be holy. We are to be faithful, not just once in a while. That ought to be a way of life to be faithful. We are to be kind. The Bible says, be not afraid. We're not supposed to be afraid. We're supposed to be confident and be of good courage and be joyful and be glad and be still and know that he is God. We're to be clean in our hearts. We're to be satisfied. The Bible tells us we are to be. Now go back to Psalm 100, and I think we've got to answer the question, if we are supposed to be thankful, how can we be obedient to that command? Not just to do something, but to be something. Notice with me Psalm 100. There are five verses the first verse says, make a joyful noise. The second verse says, serve the Lord and come before his presence. And verse four, enter his gates and into his courts with praise and be thankful and bless his name. But would you notice verse number three? I think this is the pivotal verse in Psalm 100 that gives us some insight in how to be thankful. It says in verse number three, know ye that the Lord, that word Lord is the word Jehovah. That is the word, uh, the, the, the name Jehovah. He is the self-sufficient uh, one. 
He is the self-existent one. He doesn't need us. He's God without us. But he is the Jehovah. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. The word God is the word Elohim, which means he is supreme. He is above all the rest. And it's not even a close second. You see, we, if we're going to be thankful, if we're going to be what God wants us to be, I think we're going to have to get back to knowing God and not just knowing him from an occasional Sunday morning sermon. I think it's going to have to be a real, genuine relationship with God if we're going to truly know him like we should and if we're going to be thankful, we must first know him for who he is. You see, the Christian life is not a list of rules. That's not the Christian life. That's religion. Religion says you do this and you do this and you follow this and you, you abide by this and you're good. And if you don't, you're in trouble. If you don't, you're on your own. But can I tell you, the Christian life is not just a list of rules. The Christian life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you're in a relationship with Jesus, you don't want to know him on a casual basis. You don't want to know him from a distance. You want to know him as close and as, as real and as intimate as you possibly can. Here's why. You can't keep the rules on your own. You can't obey this book in your own power. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have enough self-motivation. Uh, uh, self, uh, you don't have enough uh, self-confidence. You don't have uh, enough uh, to, to keep you going day after day after day because you've got an old sinful nature that's living inside of you. And without a relationship with Jesus Christ and without the Holy Spirit inside of you and without the love of Christ motivating you, you cannot and I cannot be what I'm supposed to be. As a matter of fact, rules without a relationship often lead to rebellion and many times to resentment. You see, why is it that some people walk away from God? And I use this example because I've, I've seen it many times, I've heard it many times, and as a youth pastor and working in college work and now as a pastor, sometimes it seems like when someone graduates from high school, that's the moment or that's the event that they walk away from God after graduating from high school. Why is that? Is it because maybe, is it because although the parents did their very best, and the pastor and the youth pastor and the Sunday school teacher and, and the people around them did their very best, but rules aren't going to keep you doing right. It's a relationship with Christ that's going to keep you doing right. It's a relationship with Christ that's real, that's going to motivate you even through times like a graduation. I don't think it's limited to graduation. I've seen people move. And when they move, when they relocate, they get out of church. When they move or they relocate, they stop serving God. And you say, well, what was it? I don't know. But I'll tell you this, when you know God, and when you know him on a real and a personal level, it doesn't matter if you're in Roanoke Rapids or if you're in Timbuktu. You still want to serve him and you still want to live for him. Some people, they walk away from God during a tragedy. 
The tragedy happens and maybe they're, they're going through sorrow or they're going through grief or they're going through difficulty and they use that tragedy as an excuse. I would say, and I would present to you tonight, that probably if we truly knew the situation, we'd have to say that maybe somebody was trying to measure up to rules or maybe trying to impress people, but maybe the relationship with the Lord was not what it should be. Sometimes it's a time of transition. Sometimes it's a time of, uh, uh, of change in life, but we make uh, uh, events come and we make a decision to walk away from God. I'll ask you tonight, how well do you know him? The Bible says in Philippians 3.10, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Psalm 100, the Bible tells us that we are to know that he is God. We are to know and to understand and we're to recognize that God is the one that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. We belong to him. We are to be thankful to him. If you'll go back to Romans 1, hold your place here in Psalm 100. We're going to look back at uh, Psalm 100. But Romans chapter 1, we read the verse where it says that there were people who were unthankful. But would you notice where it started in Romans chapter 1? It says in verse number 18, it says in Romans 1:18 that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth. They have the truth, they, they know the truth, but they hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. You say, well, how is anybody supposed to know that there is a God? Look in the mirror. Just look at your fingers. Just look at your toes. Just, just, just open your eyes and look at creation. Just, just stop for a minute and feel your pulse. And just know there's a heartbeat going on in there that you have no control over. Just listen. Uh, we were talking in the children's choir tonight about the ear and just how amazing just the ear is. That those sound waves are captured in our ear and they get to that eardrum and they are uh, transferred into vibrations that are sent to the brain so that we are actually able to decipher what the sound waves are. It's amazing how God made all that. You can't say you don't know that there is a God and nobody can say that they think this all happened by accident. Are you kidding? But look at verse number 20, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. No one has an excuse when you just look at creation. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Verse number 21, because that, notice this, when they knew God, you say, well, pastor, these people knew God. Oh, no, it's not the same word. It's not the same concept. This word, they knew about God. They, they'd heard of him. They, they were aware of him, but they didn't know him like Psalm 100 tells us we're supposed to know him. They didn't know him as the God of their life and the supreme being and the one who's in control and the one who will answer to and the one who loves us and the one who created us. They don't know him like that. It says they knew God, 
they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. You see, there's a group of people that do not know God like what they should, and they find out that they're unthankful. They find out that they think they're wise, but they have become foolish. These are people that worship and serve the creature more than the creator. These are people that think they know better than God. And God, the Bible tells us in verse number 25, they changed the truth of God into a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. And verse 24 tells us that wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. And I tell you, this is, this is pretty powerful here. You and I can get to a point as, as, as people, Romans 1, I believe, are unsaved people, but people can get to a point where they knew about God, but they didn't glorify Him as God. They were not thankful. Their foolish heart was darkened. They professed that they were wise, but they became fools. And God finally to that group will finally say, fine, if you want to do it without me, go ahead. You'll see that's not the way you want to go. But because these people did not know God, because these people did not have a relationship with him, they were unthankful. So the question tonight is, how can we be a thankful people? How can we be what God wants us to be? I believe the answer is in Psalm 100, verse number three, where it says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. I think if we're gonna be a thankful people, we're gonna have to know God on a personal level. Again, I'm not talking about, oh yeah, you know, I go to church. Um, this, this happens from time to time. Uh, where do you go to church? Um, oh, oh, what's the name of that place? Uh, oh, oh, man, what, who, who, oh, where's that church again? Can I tell you, I'm not talking about that kind of knowing God. I'm talking about knowing God that you not only go to church and you not only serve him and you not only do what you're supposed to do, but you love him and you know him and you have a relationship with him and you talk to him every day, and you read his word every day, and you spend time in his presence. How can we know him better? I'll give you four thoughts, and we're done. Number one, stay close to him. You don't know anybody well that you're not close to. I had a very good friend in elementary and even through junior high. We did a lot of stuff together. I went on vacation with his family. We played sports together. We went on ball trips together. We did so much together. And then uh, in ninth grade, he moved and went to another school. And we just, that was before cell phones and text messaging and Facebook and internet and all that. And we just kind of went our separate ways. If you were to ask me, say, do you know that guy? I would say, I used to. I used to spend a lot of time with him. I used to know what he liked and I used to know how he would think and I used to know what he would say. I used to know that, but boy, that's been a long time. I think that's how some people know God. They used to. I used to read the Bible. I used to serve him. I used to love him. 
I used to praise him. I used to come to church and I couldn't wait to get in. Now I come to church and I can't wait to get out. I couldn't wait to get up in the morning and read the Bible and now I can go days without cracking the pages of this book and it doesn't bother me anymore. I used to talk to him every day like he was my best friend and now it's just once in a while. Now it's 911. Lord, I need you. Can you help me? Can I tell you, if you're going to know God and if you're going to be what you ought to be and if I'm going to be what I ought to be, we're going to have to get back to knowing him better by staying close to him. Would you notice Psalm 100? The Bible says that we are to come before his presence. We must stay close to God. We must spend time in his word. I'm glad there's no time limit. God doesn't limit your time to 10 minutes a day or five minutes a day. You can spend as much time with God as you want and you can be as close to God as you choose to be. I'm thankful that we can be close. Number one, we must stay close. Number two, we must stay clean. You know why some people don't know God better? Because they're not willing to deal with sin in their life. And you get in the presence of God and guess what comes over you? It's called conviction. And because of that conviction, you have a hard time sitting through preaching. And because of conviction, you have a hard time getting to church. Because of conviction, you have a hard time getting in the Bible and you have a hard time getting on your knees because there's something between you and the Lord that is not right. And it's hard to stay close to somebody if you're not right with that person. My wife and I, if we had something that was between us and something that was a wedge between us, that would hinder our fellowship and that would hinder our communication and that would hinder our relationship. You say, so what are we going to do about it? We're going to get it right so that that relationship can be what it ought to be. Maybe tonight there's something in your life and maybe it's been there for a long time, but maybe you know what it is. Nobody else does, but you know what it is. Maybe tonight's the time to get clean to get right with God so that you can know him better, so that the fellowship can be restored, so you can sing nothing between my soul and the Savior. Number one, stay close to him. Number two, stay clean, stay right with him. Number three, stay committed. Some people don't know God very well because they don't stay committed very long. It says in verse number uh, two, we're to serve the Lord. We're to stay committed to his work. But then I see in verse number five, the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Stay committed to his word. Can I tell you, God's work is not always easy, and God's word is not always popular, but if we will know him, we will stay committed to him no matter what happens. And then number four, stay content. How do we get to know God? It says in verse number four that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's a sign of contentment. When you are thankful for what you've been given, when you will say thanks, that's a sign that you are content with what God has done for you. One preacher said it like this, I'm not content with what I've done for him, but I am very content with what he has done for me. And I tell you, we must stay content. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Be glad. Don't forsake him in order to find something better. I'll tell you this, you won't find any better than Jesus. You're not going to find anyone better to you than what the Lord is to you and what he is to me. 
Jesus asked his disciples when the crowds began to leave and the crowds began to forsake him. Jesus asked the disciples, he said, will ye also go away? I love what Peter said. You could tell he'd been thinking about it. <laughs> he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Lord, there's nowhere else we want to go. There's nobody else that can do what you can do. And there's no one else that loves us like you love us. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. Can I tell you, stay content. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.